This is Jay Noble, and I want you to check out my new album, Like a Storm, now available everywhere. Like, follow, and subscribe on all platforms like Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music. More info at jnoblemusic.com. That's J-A-Y-N-O-B-L-E music.com. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. This is my idol. You're going to acknowledge me. All right, everybody, welcome to the WWE uh, show that uh, Anthony DeMarco and I do every week, and it's this current state of WWE, and we've got a couple of topics that we want to bring to you tonight, and we're going to do our best to avoid Roman Reigns. I mean, because we do talk about him a lot, but since he wasn't on TV this week, I think that kind of forces our hand, and we're going to start to focus on something a little bit different tonight, but before we do that, how are you doing, Anthony? Doing well, man. And like you said, a nice change of pace for WWE this week. No world champion on either show. And although sometimes I think it could let leave something to be desired, I think that ultimately it may have been a good thing this week because it kind of left you wanting to see the world champion in Roman Reigns. So a little addition by subtraction for this week in WWE. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the... Again, it's a, kind of the double-edged sword. You you don't see your champion every week, and when he shows up, it feels important. But the downside is you don't have a world champion on either show because they unified the belts. So, uh, all right, well let's let's talk a little bit about Riddle. I want to dive into to Riddle here because he is on both shows. Of course, they don't even care to bother anymore to tell us that he's a raw star that shouldn't be on SmackDown. He's just there. And uh, he showed up on SmackDown this past week, and uh, he was the tag team partner for Shinsuke Nakamura to stand up to the Usos, who cut a really good, uh, just kind of a pull the rug from underneath your promo at the beginning of the show. But there's really nothing that came of it other than just establishing, okay, it's going to be Riddle and it's going to be Shinsuke who are going to eventually take on the Usos for those tag titles. That's that's really all the segment was about. Uh, So, I mean, you, you got Riddle here who seems to be very, very... Uh, maybe not so subtly making his way into the main event of WWE. And, uh, you know, I do anticipate him some at some point challenging Roman Reigns for that universal unified WWE championship. But what do you make so far of Riddle now that Orton is presumed to be out until about SummerSlam? So I would concur with you that I think that they have groomed Riddle to be the immediate next contender for Roman Reigns' undisputed championship. And it's actually kind of crazy to think about that since WrestleMania, we have not had a direct competitor for Roman Reigns' championship. And I think that's been a good thing. I think it makes the championship feel important. I think it shows that it, it takes a certain type of... Uh, wrestler and a certain caliber of wrestler to step up to a Roman Reigns. But I think this slow burn approach with what seemingly is Matt Riddle is the right one. And I look, do I think that Matt Riddle's can be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns? No chance in hell, but uh, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> I do believe that he's going to be the next guy up. And I think he's worthy of it. Like I remember you and I talking. Hmm. 
on the show about when we were uh, witnessing Matt Riddle on the main roster for the first time. And both of you said, both of us rather said, you know, he's got talent, but he should be a heel. You know, this stoner surfer gimmick, like he's tailor made to be a heel. And I'll admit that I was wrong. I can't speak for you, but they have turned him into such a beloved babyface. Obviously, one of the best workers they have from an in ring perspective. And I think they've just done a masterful job where, yes, this guy absolutely one day will be a world champion. I don't think that's a doubt anymore. But in the time being, they've at least groomed him and are going to keep doing so to a point where he can be at least a formidable uh, challenger for Roman Reigns. I think that at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view that, I don't know if you saw, just got moved from a stadium back to an arena concept. I think Matt Riddle's the next guy to challenge for uh, the Undisputed Championship, and deservingly so. Well, I, first of all, let me say I will not admit I was wrong because I'm never wrong. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I'm with you. I will stand by what I said. I mean, the, the character that they put out for Riddle when he first debuted was obnoxious. It was uh, a guy that there was almost too cool for school. I found him absolutely almost, almost. I remember saying this to the level of New Day. At one point, he almost was there because of how he was being perceived. And I'm not going to be fooled by WWE telling us, though, we've, we foresaw this the whole time, which is a bunch of garbage. They, they stumbled into this lightning in a bottle with Randy chemistry, which turned both of their careers around. I mean, honestly, both of them needed one another, even Randy, because he felt like he was kind of stuck in a cycle of being that just that heel that we've seen a million times. It's great, but you, he, he needed a change and Riddle needed a little bit of a rub from a veteran. And boy, did they catch lightning in a bottle with those two. So I, I will not pretend that I didn't say that. I remember being very adamant about how much I couldn't stand Riddle, and now he's one of the more bright spots part of, of the show, and he's now being on, he's now appearing on both shows, which anybody appearing on both shows right now, while there is no explanation, I don't want to get into the whole draft thing that is just mind-bogglingly stupid, but the, it does tell you something about Riddle and where WWE views him if he's on both shows, that they 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 are value, valuing him very high right now. They have plans for him. Like you said, I think it is going to be Riddle and Roman Reigns. It could be at Money in the Bank. Drew versus Roman still could be Money in the Bank, or maybe they've just decided to backburner that again. Uh, I don't know, but it, it, from all the reports we're seeing, I mean, again, rumors change. It could be Orton and um, Orton and uh, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. But then where does that leave Riddle? What about Drew? Is there a fatal four way at SummerSlam? So many possibilities as we look forward. But uh, certainly we all know, like you just said, Roman is going to beat Riddle. That's not uh, you know up for debate. But how far can he take Roman where the crowd starts to believe that he could be the one to do it? And honestly, you could kind of make a case for Riddle to do it. Do you think there's. Again, while I don't think they'll pull the trigger, there's kind of a case to do it because he's he's a young star. He's on the rise. He kind of checks all the boxes for the person that we would want to take Roman Reigns down, no? I mean, yeah, in theory. I personally, like, would I pull the trigger if I was booking it? I wouldn't. I, I think that the person to take it off Roman Reigns has to be an up-and-comer, but also someone who's a bona fide star. Like, again, I know I'm redundant in this, and maybe I'm very vanilla in my response, but I think Drew McIntyre is the guy. You know, I saw a rumor that they have Riddle planned for Money in the Bank, Randy planned for SummerSlam, and Drew planned for Clash at the Castle, a pay-per-view. I think it's in October in Scotland. And to me, I'm saying, like, you make Drew win it in his home country, and he finally gets 
the big victory in front of a booming crowd that he's been waiting for for over 24 months now since he was robbed of that at WrestleMania 36 because of COVID. To me, that seems like the best scenario. But again, to shift it back on Riddle, it isn't me thinking that he isn't worthy of it. I just think that with what they've done with Roman Reigns, I think that they have a better option in Drew McIntyre. I just think Drew McIntyre is just such a good option that it doesn't make that Matt mean that Matt Riddle's not a good option or just Riddle. I have a hard time not saying Matt Riddle. <laughs> but I think that because Drew is such low-hanging fruit, at least to me, especially with the upcoming pay-per-view in Scotland, what he had robbed from him because of COVID for his only, well, first ever WWE Championship victory, I just think that I would hold off a bit longer and give it to Drew. Again, not to say that Matt Riddle isn't worthy of it, like you just brought up. He checks several boxes, but because you have Drew McIntyre waiting in the wings, I think you just have to hold off for him. Yeah, I mean, now again, I just said he checks the boxes, and he does, but does he... Does he kind of pass the eye test? What I mean by that is, does, is WWE positioning him? Is it obvious they're positioning him to beat Roman Reigns? And I would still say no. Uh, while they're building him up, I don't think they're building him up to the level of someone that's going to beat Roman. Um, as we just talked about at the beginning of the show, we're not going to talk about Roman, and here we are, damn it. Um, but <laughs> it is, it, again, it's hard because all the he has to dance with somebody. So we're trying to, you know, we're focusing more on the, his, his opponents than Roman himself. But yeah, look, I mean, Riddle is absolutely going to get a title opportunity, as you said. If those rumors are true, where it's it's Randy at SummerSlam and Clash at the Castle with uh, with Drew, and Drew wins it there, I think again, number one, I think Drew absolutely deserves it uh, given everything he's gone through the timing of his career with things that have happened how many moments he's had robbed of him uh, not of his own um, uh, of his own fault so I would absolutely love to see that and the, the crowd in that stadium in uh, in uh, in Ireland is going to be is it Ireland where is it is it clash it's in, yeah, Scotland. It's in Scotland. Scotland Scotland so that that place is going to be on fire I mean like they haven't had an event in 30 years, I mean, you think there's pent up frustration. They got a lot of fans over there. I know they have a lot of fans over there. People write in from there to this show. So I know they have fans there and they're going to be off the charts for Drew McIntyre. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that McIntyre wins it at Clash at the Castle. But I, I mean, that's probably the even even Randy at SummerSlam doesn't really do anything for me in terms of worrying that Randy could be the one to take it off Roman. It's going to be a fun match. And, and, you know, to see Randy get pushed with Roman Reigns and promos and everything else is going to be fun. But again, nothing really until Clash at the Castle. I don't think anything <clears throat> until then would really put that title in jeopardy. Do you think there's any opportunity? I, I almost think there's none. I mean, like at all, because they have to have a main event with Drew and it's got to be for the championship. And Roman has to be the one to hold it. I don't see any other way and through what, September, October? Well, first off, we're both wrong. It's actually in Wales. So it was the oh. one country, the United Kingdom, that we didn't get. But um, <laughs> but for one, well, let, let's run down the possibilities here. Is Drew McIntyre versus Riddle really worthy of a pay-per-view main event overseas for a major event like this? I don't think so. Randy Orton versus Drew, we've already seen it several times, and they had a pretty damn good program back in 2020. And... I look at the poster for the pay-per-view and just the poster for the upcoming pay-per-view would hint towards Drew versus Roman Reigns. And again, like 
I love Randy Orton. I love Matt Riddle, but neither of those guys. I just can't keep. I can't not say Matt Riddle. It's fine. I love Riddle, <laughs> but I just don't think either of those guys are not even worthy. That's not the right word. I just don't think either of them are the right guy. Maybe in a world where Drew McIntyre didn't exist, I would say, yeah, give it to Matt Riddle. Again, look, I just said again, give it to Riddle. <laughs> but I just think that Drew McIntyre, because of what he's gone through, because how he really carried the company through the pandemic era, and a lot of people forget that, that Roman Reigns wasn't there from March to August in 2020. And Drew had to do that all on his own, oftentimes with no crowd and the other half with a fake crowd. And I know we said that we were tired of Drew and he had to get away from the main event, but now this is like 18 months where Drew McIntyre hasn't really been in the main event here. Or not 18 months, about 12 months since he hasn't been in the main event. And, you know, he's had SummerSlam matches with Jinder Mahal, WrestleMania with Baron Corbin. So it's like he's almost repaid his dues in a lot of way to get back to there. And for you, are you? I don't want to just be the only one pumping Drew's tires, but are you kind of at a point with Drew McIntyre that you're ready for him to be back in the main event? This is what I wanted after you and I and other fans were like, please, Drew, get the hell out. You could even hear the crowd start to groan every time he would insert himself back into the title picture with Bobby Lashley or whoever. It's like, come on, man, like, please do something else. We don't want to hate you. And he got out just in time. And uh, so the answer, the short answer is, yes, I'm ready. It feels like 18 months. You said it's 12. It feels longer. And that's that's a good thing, because that means I'm ready to see Drew McIntyre back in the title picture. I think that he's credible. He's ex he's polished from head to toe, meaning he's got the mic skills. He's got the experience. He's got the look he's got in ring. He's, I mean, everything. He's got it down. Um, there's no really any any piece that's missing from him that you would say, eh, well, there's this big, massive problem with his character or his in-ring. There's nothing. I mean, are there tweaks here and there? Sure. Do I like the fact that he carries a sword to the ring that you know he's never going to use? No. <laughs> I mean, like he. I mean, no, I don't. I mean, I think it's uh, something that's nothing more than a prop. I mean, but at the same time, I don't hate it. A sword isn't the worst thing in the world. You just know it's never going to do anything other than sit there. Um, and so that's fine. But outside of these little things, I don't have any major issues with drew he's he's got it all and and so to me yeah drew is the guy that should be the one to take it off roman when you look around the roster up and down okay like you said well we got braun breaker we got uh you know we i was gonna say uh cesaro but i would have said antonio cesaro if you want to start you know bringing up first names so people that aren't even <laughs> on the roster anymore um but as far as anybody else on the roster there's really nobody what, what are you gonna have uh ricochet no i mean i know he's up and coming he's getting destroyed by uh uh what's his name right now ludwig Kaiser and Gunther. So, no, uh, there's really nobody left. Riddle is plausible. Riddle's at least in the conversation. Like you, you, If someone were to come to me and try to make an argument for Riddle to be the one to beat Roman, I wouldn't laugh at it. I wouldn't say it's the dumbest idea. I would say, okay, make your case. And I think there's a, a somewhat of a case to be made there. But if you put him next to Drew McIntyre, I mean, there's just no competition. But ultimately, as you and I talk about this, do I think they're still going to pull the trigger with Drew? I still don't. I still don't. I know it's Clash of the Castle. I know it's overseas. So you'll have a lot of a lot of those international fans that are crazy and they're super loud and passionate, and that's awesome. But I I still am hesitant to say that they're going to pull the trigger, only because after that it's then WrestleMania season, and who? I mean, The Rock is also up in the air. I know we're projecting out like six ten months, but I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. 
But do you still think do you? So I'm guessing you believe that Drew is going to win at Clash of the Castle, right? That's your prediction already. <sighs> well, look, like, I mean, I have some fantasy booking that I would like to see head into WrestleMania next year. And if that's the case, I would have Drew McIntyre win. But for me, it's something that you said that makes me very trepidatious to actually lock that in. And that's because I truly do believe that they want to get Roman Reigns to the 1,000-day mark, which would take him to uh, next past next year's WrestleMania, right? It would be April of next year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what makes me kind of scared because I think, my God, I think they're just going to bleed this all the way through next year's WrestleMania, have him blow through the entire roster, and then once he defeats The Rock— and he gets to that thousand days and they can try and book him or bill him as one of the greatest of all time, which will never be true. But, you know, that's what they're trying to do. I think that's when maybe they'll start planning it, uh, like planning an end game for his championship run. Maybe by that time you have a Braun Breaker. Maybe by that time Cody Rhodes is as, as more established in WWE. And he's another one that we could get to after this because I probably have some unpopular opinions on Cody Rhodes. But, I mean, if it was a fantasy booking decision for me, I would have him drop it to Drew uh, at Clash of the Castle and I would have Drew hold it all the way until WrestleMania. And I actually think Drew versus John Cena is a match that would be really, really cool to see. Like, you know, babyface versus babyface, past versus present. I think, and maybe have John Cena win and beat Ric Flair's record because I do think Cena will eventually do that, and I do think he's deserving of it. And then you do Roman versus Rock, and you've said this a lot recently too, that I don't think that Roman versus Rock needs to have a championship involved, and I would would argue that it would be a detriment to have the championship involved because, as you mentioned, it would just really reassure, like, okay, well, Roman's winning. Not to say that I think The Rock would win if it wasn't for a title, but at least if there's no championship involved, it leaves the possibility open. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, again, this is uh, down the line, and, and I do think – let me just say this about Rock Roman and because and, I don't want to go too deep in it. I've dove into it way too many times. That rabbit hole for me is a place that I go and I don't get out of. But I will say that uh, to me, if it doesn't happen this year, I don't know if it's going to happen at all. Um, with with rock and Ro- uh, Roman only because it's in Hollywood. It's apropos for the Rock's career. Uh, not that he couldn't fly anywhere. It's not like he's sitting in Hollywood. Like oh boy, I hope they come here. I can't go anywhere else. But it is very just from a setting perspective. It's nice, um, you know. And, and so I, also with Roman Reigns, what if they turn him babyface next year? Like after WrestleMania, I think he's got a hell of a babyface run in him. They can't string out this heel run forever. People are already starting to organically cheer for him because they recognize how good it's been. Uh, So I think that if it doesn't happen this year, I don't think it happens at all uh, with Rock and Roman, not to be a downer, but to me, it's now or never. Plus with The Rock, and he's been talking about possible political runs down the line. If if he ever ran for president, I'm not saying he will, but if he did, that's 2024. He's got 2023 to campaign. He's got a ton of movie projects. He owns the XFL. The guy's got his plate overfilled. So to me, it's either now or never pull the trigger. Vince, write as many zeros as he can on that check to get Dwayne to say, yep, sounds good, Vince. Let's do it. Um, and so but again, backing up to this whole thing with Ric Flair and your, your proposal with John Cena versus Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. I love that. Um, you know, I, I would actually, you know, uh, I would advocate for that because and honestly, I'd have John Cena win, like you said, because now Ric Flair's. 
uh, title, uh, his his record of the 16 championships doesn't really hold the same value that it did prior to the whole uh, flight from hell, right? Like the uh, the plane ride from hell. After that, they cut ties with Ric Flair. So I think they'd actually want somebody to surpass that now, or at least they wouldn't feel as bad if someone were to uh, to to meet that and exceed Ric Flair's championship number of, of victories because of uh, the all the all the really bad press that came from the plane ride from hell and all the accusations against Ric Flair during that ride. So there is that too. And, and honestly, I, w- I would absolutely love to see that. And I mean, I, I know there's also MJF. We, we don't talk a whole lot about M- AEW around here, but uh, I'll, I'll just ask you quickly on this. Have you been following anything with MJF or no? Cause we, we don't have to spend any time on it if you haven't. Well, I, I've been following just be over Twitter. I really don't watch AEW all that much. And, uh, it's mostly because I just don't have time, but there's also, you know, and this has nothing to do with the actual product. Tony Khan annoys me. I don't know. He he bothers <laughs> me. So I just don't want to give time to his product. But yes, MJF, the brief a bit of um, product that I've consumed of uh, AEW, it sounded like I was taking drugs there. The bit of content that I've watched of AEW over the years, I've been captivated by MJF. He's one of the, if not be the best talkers in the wrestling business right now. And that's something like he catches my eye and I would go out of my way to watch it if I would just be scrolling through the channels and AEW was on and he was on the t- television. And obviously there's been speculation that he eventually does want to jump to WWE, that he walked out of a meet and greet before Double or Nothing this weekend, that he wants out of his contract, that he's been hashtagging 2024 when his contract is up. If I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> pardon me. He's really good friends with Cody Rhodes, who, as we know, just defected from AEW to WWE. So, yeah, I am I know basically, like, the basics of uh, what's going on with him, and I would love to see him in WWE. But quickly, do you – how do you feel about Tony Khan? Like, is it just me? Am I just the weirdo here? Well, I, I'll i be honest. I don't follow a whole lot of his interviews and things. I will say that in the times that I have seen him, and a lot of it was when um, – uh, what's his name? Luke Harper. What's his real name? Um, uh, Brody Lee. Bro- no, no, John, no, John Huber. John Huber. <laughs> when he died and he came out at the end of the show um, and Tony Khan did, and he brought his son into the ring and had that whole tribute. So I, I, that's really my first like very solidified foundational memory of Tony Khan. So I guess mine is maybe a little bit more skewed. And, you know, Tony Khan seems to have endless pockets of, of cash, and he's just willing to shell out as much money as he, as he can to grab as much talent as he can. And again, I'm, is that a great business strategy, a long-term solution? No, I think he's just trying to get as many eyeballs on the product as possible without sometimes thinking through his decisions of just blindly knee-jerk reaction, hiring almost, almost uh, everyone that WWE lets go. I mean, Braun Strowman wasn't hired, obviously. You're listening to the WWE Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Jay Noble, and I want you to check out my new album, Like a Storm, now available everywhere. Like, follow, and subscribe on all platforms like Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music. More info at jnoblemusic.com. That's J-A-Y-N-O-B-L-E music.com. Surrender, 
you got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the mentality show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The mentality show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. And so, anyway, as far as his kind of his demeanor... Um, I, I, don't, I get kind of a neutral. I don't, I don't love the guy. I'm not, I don't relate to the guy. I don't hate the guy. So I'm, I kind of land right in the middle there. I don't have a ton that I'm, uh, you know, uh, that I feel for Tony Khan. But uh, the reason I wanted to ask you about MJF is because of the con, the, the crazy news that's coming out. And, and, uh, this is not a work. This does appear legitimate that he is having massive problems with AEW and I'm bringing it up too to tie it to WWE because he's been hashtagging 2024 forever. He's made it very clear his contract is up January 1st, 2024. So he could, in theory, be there for the Royal Rumble in 2024. But what if he was able to come to WWE earlier and he's just making a bunch of noise and racket and being just kind of an obnoxious employee so that Tony Khan's like, you, you fine, you want release? Get out of here. We don't need someone like you in here, which is actually what... MJF wants so WWE picks him up I mean do you think that's possibly what he's strategizing to come to WWE earlier if he's just doing this on purpose to get Tony Khan to say get out of here so WWE picks him up it's possible it seems like he's a guy that wants the big stage and look we look at AEW now how many homegrown guys are actually headlining that company like even Kenny Omega was he not kind of bred in Japan like, he grew his entire gimmick in Japan. CM Punk's now there was a world champion. John Moxley, we know what he did in WWE. Daniel Bryan, we know what he did in WWE. Chris Jericho, their first ever world champion. MJF is, like, the only guy that kind of grew through AEW, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe there's others. Like I said, I don't follow it all too much. But for all those other guys who trash WWE, who like who liked the AEW environment more... They all got to taste what the other big leagues felt like. MJF hasn't had that yet. So maybe for him that he's, what, 24 years old, 25? Maybe he's saying, like, well, if it's so bad, then why is it the biggest promotion in the history of the wrestling industry? And maybe he wants to give it a kick at the can himself. Like, as much as we say, like, oh, WWE's the worst, it's doom and gloom, this, that, and the other thing, like... It still is the big leagues. It's still, you know, not to steal a line from, you know, Nitro back in the the day, but that's where the big league, the big boys play. And for as much as we could see Ambrose trash it or CM Punk trash it or Jericho trash it, those guys had a lot of time in the sun in WWE. MJF hasn't had that. So I could entirely see him wanting to at least get his own kick at the can in WWE. I hope he does. There are so many things that I would love to see him do. Now, if WWE does pick him up and somehow he's able to get out of his contract early and Tony Khan, you know, pays him out or, or whatever, or he just asks for his release and says, I don't want my money. Keep your money. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I want just, I just want out, whatever the case. If WWE picks him up early, I mean, there's, 
There's there's a couple of programs I would love to see him in off the bat. I mean, I actually, and this is not crazy, I'd love to see him in The Miz, and he actually put out a, a, a fake promotional poster of him in The Miz because so many people have made comparisons of MJF to The Miz and saying he is the Miz version of AEW and all these things. And I, honestly, they're both good on the mic. That would be fun. I'd also love to see The Miz versus John Cena simply for the battle of the mic. I mean, John Cena is regarded as one of the best of all time on the mic, and he is. But MJF, to me... Even in his uh, promos, many promos that him and CM Punk did leading up to their dog collar match a couple of months ago, I think he he bested CM Punk on the mic, like definitively destroyed him on the microphone. So I, I would love to see John Cena versus MJF. The only caveat to this whole thing that everyone's worried about if MJF comes to WWE is, are they going to put a muzzle on him? And, and yes, they're going to tell him what to say, but without actually giving him lines or right? like MJF is a guy that is so good on the microphone. I think he's the best talker in the entire, like entire pro wrestling industry. I don't care what promotion you're talking about, but if they are, if they put a, a dog collar or a, a, um, a muzzle on him, that to me would be chopping him off of the knees. I mean, you can't do it to a guy like that because that is how he makes his money. That's what will bring money to your company. So my my concern would be that WWE tries to micromanage him like they do with so many other stars um, and, and try to make sure that he says every single line this way. And that's what has made him stand out in AEW and be arguably AEW's biggest homegrown star, heel especially. So, all right. Well, any any other thoughts on MJF before I move on to Cody? No, no, no. That's it. Like I said, like I don't watch AEW all that much, so I can't give too in depth yeah. of an opinion. But from what I've seen, the guy's amazing. I would have all the time in the world for him on WWE. Oh, it's he's so good, guys. If you haven't, if it, I know this is the WWE podcast, guys, so maybe some of you aren't familiar with AEW's work, or you kind of you see bits and pieces in news, but you don't really follow the product. If you want a hit, like a, a absolute schooling in what a great promo is go watch MJF's promo against like CM Punk. I mean, just YouTube it guys. It's it's, it makes your you know hair stand on end. have a good, how good he is, at least in my opinion. All right, moving on to Cody. So uh, let, let me just say Cody Rhodes to you and then you take it from there. What do you think about him, about what he's doing right now? Man, it's going to be unpopular, but uh, overrated. I mean, look, I, I like Cody Rhodes like in a certain role. But I don't like Seth Rollins jobbing to him. You know, uh, I sent you a screenshot, you know, off air about that. Apparently, like Seth Rollins has dropped like 20 untelevised matches to Cody Rhodes at live events. He's dropped back to back pay-per-views at Cody Rhodes to Cody Rhodes. And look, I like Cody Rhodes. I think that he's a very formidable talent. I think that he's much more. I think he's much better than how they used him back in 2014-15 at Stardust and all that. But I also think there's a element to him right now where it's just like, you're not as big as you think you are. Just his entrance, to me, is a very pretentious, I'm so much bigger than the world. And like you, you brought it up before, like, we get it, your dad is Dusty Rhodes, move on. You know, just get to the point. Why are you here? Is it are you just here because your dad's Dusty Rhodes? Because I don't care if that's your only purpose. And at times it's like and again, like I didn't watch AEW all that much. So I can't give a completely informed opinion on it. But like it's as if he was like the world's greatest wrestler in AEW. And he just made this monumental return. And to the best of my knowledge is that the fractured relationship with him 
and AEW started because the fans were rejecting him as a babyface. Unless I'm wrong. Again, like, don't take my word as gospel. I'm not that privy to all the ongoings in AEW. But, like, I'm happy he's back. I'm happy he's in meaningful feuds. I'm happy that he's not Stardust anymore. He's certainly more valuable than that. But it's like he's being presented as this guy that I just don't think he is and I just don't think he ever will be. And I certainly don't think that Seth Rollins should be jobbing to him. And look, I don't maybe it's my bias towards Seth Rollins. and I just think that Seth Rollins is being extremely underutilized. So maybe that's my bias talking in that regard. But as far as Cody Rhodes goes, like I like him. I think he's good for the most part, but it's just too much. I think he's being booked way too strong. And the other part about this is, is like, look, for a guy like me who didn't really watch AEW, I'm still remembering Cody Rhodes as Stardust and pre-Stardust. So for him to just show up again and start beating one of the best wrestlers that the company has to offer, it's kind of like an unrealistic thing, and I'm not really being able to buy into it. Look, I know that he's super over. I know most people like him. And I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but for me, I've just not been the greatest fan of him. Yeah, I mean, the, it's funny you bring that up because I think subconsciously as I'm watching him in WWE, I'm trying to align my thoughts and previous placement of Cody Rhodes with how WWE is telling me how I should feel about him. Like, they're telling me, based on how they presented him, they promote him throughout the show and say, we're going to hear from Cody Rhodes' response at the end of the show, and they promote it like 18 times, and you're like, all right, all right, and they finally get to it, and the promo wasn't even that great with, you know, Seth, but whatever. Uh, so the way that they're positioning him, the way they brought him in, his entrance, his suits that I actually think are a detriment to him because it's, it speaks, it speaks that it speaks volumes. Like it's nobody wears suits just <laughs> casually, right? Like unless you're a D bag, I'm sorry. You know, unlike for, like the Miz. Yeah. Like the Miz, it makes it, it fits his character. Now the Miz is a whole nother issue that he's the least evolved character in WWE history, but at least he has it established and it fits what he does. Cody Rhodes comes out and does it in a way that he tries to make it endearing or feel empathy for the guy. And he's got on like $20,000 suits. How am I like, I just don't understand. Like to me, I think even if he just took the suits off and wore, you know, just a, a damn t-shirt and jeans or something, I know he won't because that's not how he, I guess he wants to be presented or how he envisions his character or himself or his family, whatever. But I'm sorry. The suits do not help him and me feeling empathy or sympathy or relating to his character. They don't now. Um, I think that Cody Rhodes is talented. Like you said, he is. He's talented on the mic. I've talked about his list. It just is distracting. Uh, I think on the microphone, he's he's a well-spoken promo. I, I think I brought it up last time, though, that he tries to use big words just for the sake of using big words to try to make people feel like he's more intelligent than he is or more well-read than he is. Not endearing. I think people, if, if you're paying attention to the promos as much as, you know, I'm guessing if you listen to wrestling podcast guys, then you're probably also noticing this. Um, and I don't know, like he, I think he could, he could turn to a switch to a heel in a heartbeat. If they ever decide to turn him heel, which they probably won't do in the near future, maybe not even any time this year, then he could switch like a light. I mean, I think it'd be so easy to do because he's already, he already looks like a heel. If you didn't know 
that he was a baby face based on his promos. And you just looked at the guy. You're like, oh, what a D bag. He's got bleach blonde hair that no one's done since NSYNC in 2002. I mean, the guy wears $20,000 suits. His entrance is a, is a little bit over the top. Um, again, it sounds like I'm running him down. I'm just I just think he's a bit miscast because of how he presents himself and how WWE is saying, well, you you need to be you need to understand he's he's kind of a big deal. It's like. Well, not to most WWE fans that maybe didn't follow AEW and remember him as Stardust, and all of a sudden he comes back as this bleach blonde hair, uh, you know, suit wearing, suit wearing baby face that you're like, how? Why, why am I cheering for him again? Because WWE is telling me he's a big deal. No, that's not going to work. So yeah, I'm with you. And, and again, like it's not me saying I don't like him or it's go away he like, but it's just it, it seems a bit forced like even the american nightmare just like oh you're clever you just reverse your dad's nickname like you know what i mean and like even on the stone cold podcast or on broken skull sessions like he's wearing a suit and i'm just like who ever wore a suit to do a podcast with stone cold steve austin Uh, honestly yeah like and again like i could get by the suit i find them dumb too but like whatever i could get past that for me, it's even just like the intro with like the lights go down and what is it? It's himself there, saying just like wrestling has one more. Than well, yeah, prestigious. wrestling has more than one uh, family in, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, who the bleep do you think you are? Like, honestly, honestly, like, let's break this down. Dusty Rhodes, absolute legend. Is he even in the top 20 of all time? Probably not. Your brother is gold dust. Like enough said, and you're used to be start. Like, I don't want to run him down, but then, like, his music hits. He has the pyro, he has like the dry ice with the smoke. He comes out, then he has more pyro when he gets to the ring. He's singing to his own music. It's just, I j- and then I'm just like, and I'm supposed to believe that this guy is just beating Seth Rollins at will, nonstop, just running him over all the time, and Seth Rollins needs, Seth Rollins needs help from The Miz? I don't, like, look, I like Cody Rhodes, I'm happy he's back, because I do think he injected something into, like, that upper mid-card tier, and I do think that if he used properly, he's a very valuable asset. It's just, I'm, I can't buy into this, like, even just this theory that he's going to be the one to take it off Roman Reigns, like, if that happens, I might completely check out. But, like, I like him, but he has to be booked properly. And right now he's being booked way too strong. And like you said, that if we're not supposed to look at him in, like, taking AEW into consideration, how the hell am I supposed to buy into this guy coming back after six years from – and the last time I saw him, he was Stardust. It's just – they just have to kind of reel him back in a bit. He's a valuable asset, excellent in the ring. He's talented on the mic and all that, but like it's it's too much. It's just a bit too much right now. It's very heavy-handed, and it, it they might they got to be very careful. WWE needs to be very careful that they don't do too much too soon with him and shove him down our throats. And that's when fans, once they know something's being shoved down their throats, what do we normally do as a reaction? We should, you know we throw it back up and say no 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 no. We decide how fast this is going to go. And there's just usually generally war of attrition between Vince and fans that can last for years. I mean hell. Look at Roman Reigns' babyface run that fans fought back for literally six years against Vince McMahon. Ultimately, we won the war, but 
And we also proved Vince McMahon wrong about how good Roman Reigns is as a heel. Even uh, even those that were pushing it don't. I don't think we realize how good he was be as a heel. It's it's honestly legendary at this point. Um, it, it, now again, I'm not trying to get into Roman, and yes, he's stale right now. But overall, his run as a heel has been uh, otherworldly. So um, look, yeah, Cody Rhodes right now is. There's nothing bad to say. It sounds like we're just saying he's the worst thing of all time. He's not. We're just trying to, I guess, bring him back down to reality. Like, just, just slap a little bit of reality into fans and realize, like, hey, uh, maybe you guys should take a look at this and, and not just go along with what the bill of goods WWE is trying to sell you, that he is the greatest thing that's ever stepped foot back into WWE. And, you know, again, he's he's a guy that is not relatable, and, and we know that he's the son of Dusty. My God, he doesn't need to incorporate that in every promo. But the problem is the the time he – or the um, I think it was the first or second promo he came back, he laid out a mission statement that he wants to win the title for his dad, the title that his dad could never win. And we're all supposed to just get all teary-eyed over it until you realize, okay, like I, I understand you lost your dad. Uh, I'm sure it is actually emotional, but you can only – uh, you know, squeeze so much juice out of that before I'm just like, it, it feels like you're just being exploitative. Like you're, you're just using your dad as a crutch in a promo when in reality it's hurting you because you want to blaze your own path. You don't want to remind people, oh yeah, that's right. He's Dusty's son and, and constantly make that comparison and constantly make it feel like he's leaning on his dad's legacy. And I don't think it's a good idea. Now, when he eventually goes for the championship, Whenever that run happens, whenever that uh, that that, you know, he starts to get into a program with Roman or whoever's champion. Unfortunately, the dusty thing is going to probably be front and center. It's probably going to be the thing that we hear about the most, because that's if if he's still a babyface, they want to hammer that home with us because it's supposed to just tug at our heartstrings. It's supposed to make us feel, oh, well, you know, we, we can all relate to losing somebody. I mean, almost everyone listening to this can relate to losing somebody. And so you're thinking about yourself. Oh, man. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. He's doing this for his dad. Like. I can see right through it, and I, I'm going to get very violently ill on air if every week I have <laughs> to hear about Dusty every week, and every week Cody Rhodes is weeping like a child. Now, I'm being a bit dramatic, but if the general narrative is that throughout the entire chase that Cody's going to go on for the championship, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get one of those, uh, you know, one of those barf bags. I mean, seriously, I, I won't be able to handle that. Yeah, and I didn't mean to wrap it up on a negative note here, because for the most part, I think WWE had a positive uh, week, but it was just something that like, it's honestly, and I hate to use this word, but Cody Rhodes is something that kind of triggers me right now. Not him (laughs) himself, but more like the like the notion that like he's supposed to be like at the top of the food chain in WWE like no I can't take that right now (laughs) I think that's exactly right like if he if he wasn't positioned the way he was we probably wouldn't be having this conversation and be like yeah he seems like cool he's back he's doing a great job I'm excited to see what he's doing next instead he's starting at the top and beating a top heel that we all believe should be champion right now I mean like I think that's also the problem is he's working with a guy that has now lost twice to Cody Rhodes and like going to lose a third time uh so quickly let me let me ask you that do you, just do you think he's going to lose to uh seth or rather do you think seth is going to lose to cody for a third time inside the cell i mean probably like i would assume they're going to blow off this program once and for all and i don't imagine that they're going to have it end with seth getting the victory like hell i've talked about it before like how many times has Seth won the big match in recent years like i think the only big match he has won recently was 
the second match to Edge, which one was that? Like, at uh, was it on an episode of SmackDown too? It wasn't even a pay per view, because the final blow off was what? What pay per view was, was it? Was that it, they finally blew it off. Well, I think they did it. At, was it Madison Square Garden that they did that? Uh, they have their match together there was, because they pumped that Madison Square Garden show forever. So you're right. I think it was just a big episode of SmackDown. But the the final pay per view that they blew it off at, um, I can't remember honestly. Hey, I I can't. I don't remember. Oh, oh no! It was uh, Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was Saudi Crown Arabia Jewel or something. Yeah. So Seth won mm. the big. Uh, well, he won the second match at Super SmackDown or whatever the hell they called it, and then Edge won in Saudi Arabia. Mm. That's exactly it. So I don't remember the last time Seth has won a pay per view match. God on its truth. So why the hell should I even bother and buy into it? And this is what I said. When they were making a big, big mistake with Seth Rollins a couple months back, that yes, he's amazing, great in-ring worker, one of my personal favorites, should have been in-game push as a world champion. But when you make him lose so many times, now going back almost a year, the last time he was won a big pay-per-view match, people are just like, oh, well, he's going to lose. That's what's going to happen. And then before you know it, he's just going to be a, co- a heel comedy act, which he's fast-tracking to, unfortunately, right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, and yeah, we're not we're not trying to end this on the bad note. So here, here's one thing I like about WWE. I'm not asking us to have a discussion about it, but in the in the uh, spirit of trying to keep it positive, I really like Edge's group. I love the Judgment Day, and I love how they're having yeah. kind of an open casting call and making people wonder and speculate and think about who could be joining next. So uh, what about you? Oh, I love it. It's so great. I love how Edge cut, cut his hair. I, you know, I for a long time wasn't sure about Damian Priest. Uh, there was something that I knew he had, but he just wasn't able to captivate me. Now he's found it. Rhea Ripley, I'm happy that they have something meaningful for her. And I hope that they add more people. I, yes. I think it's only a matter of time. I'm hoping it's a tag team like heavies. Like he kind of has his like right hand man in Damian Priest. You have Rhea Ripley to kind of uh, branch off into the women's division. I think he needs some heavies. Maybe that's the Viking Raiders, and maybe they could drop the Viking gimmick and actually make them, like, you know, adults for a change. But (laughs) just someone like that. Some guys like that, I think, would really benefit from Edge's group. Yeah, they're they're kind of man-child. They're they're in the man-child group. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, It's like they're... (laughs) Like, like let's wear toy horns and beat her chest on the way to the ring. It's like somebody who is young trying to come up with a wrestling character, quote-unquote, and that's what the Viking Raiders is. Like, they are a child's invention. Is just wearing <laughs> wacky stuff that no one can explain what it is, what a raid is, coming out doing weird. Like, it's exactly what that is. Yes. Um, so, all right. Very good. Well, uh, yeah. So, very good conversation. This went a little bit longer, guys, than normal. But, um, hey, when, when I get on, he got me going on Cody Rhodes, something I didn't think I was going to go to, just because... Maybe I was a little bit ignorant. I was actually kind of on board for the, yeah, Cody's pretty good. And then I listen, I'm like, yeah, no, wait a minute. I've been duped. So uh, <laughs> good good stuff. And, of course, you guys can catch Anthony every single Friday. And what was your uh, show this past week? It was uh, ECW in 2006, how they rebooted the entire brand, which got off to a pretty good start. It's sad the way it kind of down spiraled after only a few months, but when your big addition to the brand and Kurt Angle walks away just a month in and Rob Van Dam, who's supposed to be the face of your brand, 
gets busted for your DUI and has to drop both world titles in a matter of a couple days. It kind of got off to a rocky start from the onset. They had to give the ECW championship to the big show, which always kind of felt weird. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show that even with a really good start, which ECW had in the late spring of 2006, it will all be for naught if you can't sustain it. And that's exactly what happened with the ECW brand. Exactly. No, it was uh, very good, and I would recommend all you guys take a listen to that because ECW, it was reinvented by WWE, but boy, uh, it was exactly the kind of disaster that you'd imagine uh, that it was with the WWE trying to revive ECW yet under the WWE umbrella it is exactly what you'd imagine. If you haven't listened, go take a listen to that, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm really glad you were able to join me tonight, and we'll be in touch probably next week, right? Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Have a good night. Take it easy. This is Jay Noble, and I want you to check out my new album, Like a Storm, now available everywhere. Like, follow, and subscribe on all platforms like Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music. More info at jnoblemusic.com. That's J-A-Y-N-O-B-L-E music.com. You got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the mentality show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook live real men, real talk, the mentality show. You can find them anywhere. You stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just look up the mentality show. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWEPodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.